0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is On Democracy with F.P. Wellman. I am F.P. Wellman, your host. Man, you're in the right place. If you're in the wrong place, that's fine. It's not my fault. Don't blame me. You came here. So stay. <laughs> it's been another fascinating week since we last hung out together with the Hunter Biden federal deal announcement. Trump's insane interview with Brett Baer and so much more. I've got the perfect guest to discuss it all because timing is everything. I booked him a couple of weeks ago and the world went crazy. Uh, having said that, you know, it's um, it's been an interesting week as always, right? And, and many are saying this indictment for Trump actually strengthens the support in the Republican Party in the general election. And, you know, we talked a little bit last week about some polls about that and how that's showing, but I don't don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far today. But there's two polls that came out showing a significant majority of Americans think that due to his federal indictments, he should end his campaign for president. 56% of Americans think he should drop out. But interestingly, 83% of Republicans want him to stay in the race. But more problematic for Trump, I think, and the Republican Party in general, if you ask me, is 58% of independence in, this, in two polls, which is, of course, a key swing group, said Trump should drop out. So this is a guy who barely won in 2016, and he lost by single digits in 2020. He may own the Republican Party stalwarts, but the people who fled three years ago and made him lose, I don't know if they're going to be coming back when you got 56% of people who think he should not be in the race. But that's a lot to talk about. It makes for an interesting Republican primary, and we'll talk about that in a second. So you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's get out the show. And we're back. So welcome, welcome. As I mentioned, I am still your host, Fred Wellman. Didn't change while you're gone. This is On to Moxie with F.P. Wellman. You're in the right place. You know, I am so excited to have our guest. He and I hung out in St. Louis last year during his book tour. You can find his book right here at the front of the screen. Tim Miller is an MSNBC analyst, writer at large of The Bulwark, podcaster, Best-selling author of *Why We Did It*, a travelogue with the Republican from the Republican Road to Hell. He was the communications director for Jez Bush's 2016 presidential campaign and spokesman for the Republican National Committee during Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign. So he knows some stuff about our friends, the Republican Party. He's also a native fellow native son of missouri so it's great to have you here tim thanks for joining me man
1: i am even though i'm in my nuggets hat uh, yeah look at know, that my, par- my parents moved me in elementary school you <sighs> know and we didn't have a basketball team in st louis growing up That's so true. it was an easy trade That's i'm true. proud of my my denver nuggets our first <laughs> championship and um yeah man I'm, I'm gonna be back in st louis very brief i don't know if i'll catch you. very briefly i gotta see my mimi she's still kicking she's yeah. coming up on she's almost like getting to 100 she's in her late 90s oh now we'll, maybe, maybe maybe we can maybe we can grab one drink we'll i would see like that i would like that like see how my time I'm goes. right near
0: downtown, man. So I'm easy to I'm easy to catch up with. I'm, I I host everybody for beers here. <laughs> I love that very much. So I know, uh, you know, it was great seeing you here for your book tour. It was great. The book's fantastic. If you haven't read his book, I can't recommend it enough. It is such a fascinating insight into the Republican journey. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But I was going to talk up front, kind of segueing off of that Um off of that up front, you know, I, mean, I was, I was joking. I was wrote the thing. I was like, you know, I wish it was a busier Newsweek. There's just, <laughs> just not Jeez. much going on, right? I mean, I mean, that insane interview is still unfolding with Brett Bear. I thought I saw you and Tom Nichols, you know, also a former uh, guest of the show, did a live discussion of it. I mean, let's just start with there. Like, what the hell, man? I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, you guys pointed out really well, I thought that he, he's really, he was kind of off his game, wasn't he? I mean, it, it wasn't our typical Trump, I thought.
1: Yeah, well, in a lot of ways, it was our typical Trump. Right, I mean, it's well, uh, always I mean? Trump. Trump. It was Trump. the word salad. <laughs> you know, it was the monomania, the the, the, the narcissism, yeah. the the lies. So, so. Uh, but but there were definitely a few moments where I, I think that he revealed a, a little uh, a little break in that faux confidence. Yeah. You know, I, I the, the thing that Trump has already always had, right, is just this irrational confidence man, and and right. it rarely broke, and I think it broke very briefly right before the 2016 election when he didn't think that he was going to win after the Access Hollywood tape. Yeah. And I, I think the consummate narcissist. I'm just putting him on the couch here. Unfortunately, I've, I've had to be in this assholes Brain for like eight years now, so yeah. I feel like I, I know I'm better than I know my husband. But yep. um, um, uh, you know, I, I think that after he won that election, despite the fact that everyone told him he was going to lose, I, it, it it created just this kind of super ego narcissist, right? This man that was already extremely narcissistic hmm. now like cannot be told that he's that he's defeatable, you right. know? And he believes that he just has this armor. And and I think that this week you know he he is, he expected he was going to get away with it again you yeah. know there's the old there's the old f around and find out yep. um he's never had to find out really in his life and, and and i think that he expected that he was going to get away with it again i think his lawyers i think he has like the d minus list of lawyers now <laughs> told him that he's going to get away with this and all of a sudden this indictment comes down uh, that from Jack Smith that is really damning yeah. and really detailed and very serious and 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 there were a couple of times in that interview with Brett Baer where it just kind of revealed that that he he's a little bit nervous about this yeah. um and and I think that that he thinks real consequences could be coming and and when Brett asked him if he was worried and he took a very uncharacteristic kind of pause and and you know he comes around to the answer of well on the legal side zero 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 cuz i did nothing wrong right like there's this sense that that these guys are targeting him and, and they might have they might have actually nabbed him on this one so i you know i, I remain a healthy a skepticism uh, that that the legal system is going to be our savior here i think the voters are going to have to you know be the ultimate savior but um i did think it was interesting that he betrayed you know some um you know, maybe
0: a little bit of waning confidence um, yeah. about about his position. Yeah, he did really seem, like he, he seemed a caged animal a lot to me, too. I mean, just looking yeah. at him, the body language Persensive. is like, a, yeah, very defensive, which he normally is, but you could you could tell he was really, to me, much more off his balance than normalism, especially compared to that ridiculous town hall on CNN, right? I mean, he, you know, he was swaggering. He felt like and, the alpha predator. Right, right.
1: He That's had the people it. in the room. They're yep. cheering him on. He had the fans. Yep. He knew he had Caitlin. Yep. Um, I think she did the best she could. This is not yeah. a, and, uh, this is not, you know, yeah. but as she was putting in an impossible position by Chris Lick. I actually, agree. Um, uh, you know, but, but he did feel in that way, you know, he was defensive, you know, at her questions and defensive in the kind of casual way that he's always like, you know, that he's always defensive, yeah. but he didn't feel like
0: nervous at all. Right. right. He felt dominant. And I think with Brett, there were a couple of times where he felt on his heels. Yeah. Yeah, you could see it. And and one of those times, so during the interview, he seemed not to recognize that the woman he pardoned, Alice Johnson, would, <laughs> so, be, right, would be executed under his policy that he announced in one of his weird poli- policy announcements, you know, those those weird hostage videos he does. And, you know, it was interesting because uh, Ron Philip Kowski branched it, you know, when, when that came out. Um, he talked about those weird hostage video policy things he's been putting out. And it does seem like a lot of people are ignoring those, right? That, that you know, he's putting those out on a, on a daily, like just flooding them out. And, and they're kind of going off in the freaking ether, it seems like. But that was one of his big policies, right? We're going to execute drug offenders. And it didn't seem like he knew that, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, do you, do, are, do, should we be paying attention to those crazy policy? Like I think today he says he's going to get rid of the impoundment act or some crazy, I mean, first of all, are those Stephen Miller, like I think, they are. Where the hell is this coming from? You think?
1: Um, yeah, some of it Stephen Miller, some of it with Trump is is just bottom up, and like literally, yes. he gets stuff for the golf caddy Dan Scavino, who who, who sources it from from the social social media wow. i mean like this is really where the muslim ban stuff came from right it wasn't like a grand plan it was this up. people were like we well, should get rid of them and like trump like spits it out and the crowd yeah. it goes crazy and he yeah. t- road tests this stuff yeah and i think that he has road tested the punishments for drug dealers and, and sees a good response and so he, he continues to do it the, that brett bear clip i mean you know the whole bit about why me and tom nichols did the live youtube to yeah. work on this is like <laughs> i think there are a lot of people out there who feel like they have to pay. Attention to this stuff going into 2024, but they right. don't want to. act They can't hear his fucking voice anymore. Excuse my language. They can't hear. his Look at his <laughs> face anymore. Nope. And so it's like we're paid, so we do this so you don't have to and report <laughs> back. But if so, but if you do have to watch 45 <laughs> seconds of the Brett Bear two two part interview, this drug dealer part is just hilarious because yeah. Brett, it just shows how little thought Donald Trump puts into any of these stupid policy things. Right. Like it's you know he's like death penalty for drug dealers, and then literally the next question is like. Well, but what about the first step act that let, you know, a lot of drug dealers for, you know, nonviolent drug dealers off. And he's like, Oh, great, great, great policy. He's like, but wouldn't your new policy have killed them? And he kind of like, uh, gives a little wink. And he's like, Ooh, guess you got me there, Brett. And it's like, yeah. he's thought about it so little that this, this did not take Harvard debate team kind of skills to box <laughs> him into the corner here. I mean, it's like, Brett wasn't really trying to go for this great. gotcha. No. Know, Brett bears on exactly Walter, Cron- you know, no. not exactly Tim Russert over there. Um, no, no. So I, I it's just kind of hilarious. I, here's why I think it's worth monitoring though is, um, and we'll get into, you know, kind of the politics of yeah. of whether he can win or lose, I'm sure. But, um, uh, the, the first term, uh, while I was far less sympathetic than other people to, you know, the people that went in because they said we need to have, we need to contain him, you know, we need to have good people around him. Uh, I, I was very unsympathetic to that argument, but yeah. but there, there was something to that in the sense that like, you know, you know, Gary Cohn was taking stuff off his desk and John Kelly, like wasn't showing him i bad ideas, yeah. you know what I mean? And they were pocket vetoing things. Yeah. And so a, a second term like, isn't going to have that, right? Yeah. Like none of those people are going to go in, like the only people that are going to go in are the Goombas and the yes men and stuff. Yeah. And so I do think you have to pay attention because I, I think that were he, God forbid To get in there again. Like his crazy ideas, I think would be more likely to, to, for them to at least try to put them into place than in the first term when he had a lot of actually kind of old school Republicans around him who, when they were, when he was like, you know, let's put alligators in the, in the Rio Grande, you know, (laughs) they're like, okay, boss. And then they didn't, you know, then they just didn't do it. And I think that the next batch of people will be like, yeah, where can we source the alligators
0: from? Right, right. You know what I mean. And I think we saw a taste of that, right? I think you saw a taste of that at the election with the the goombas that came in as temporary, you know, members of the cabinet, right? You saw, I, mean, right, the I, Jeff I think, was, Clarks. right, that you have Clark's, the, the 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 nut jobs, and and you know the Cash Patels, and oh, let's make Cash Patel Attorney General, whatever. The, you know, like <laughs> whoa, shit. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, and so I do think we had a taste of it, and we do ignored at our own peril, right? I mean, there there is some really crazy people, and I knew people like that because you know I was doing veteran stuff then, and a number of my uh, people. Like your dear friends and frankly some of them still are did go in the administration is, and ended up being very senior uh, executives in the VA for that very reason like look I'm a Republican I want to serve I want to serve veterans you know he's a Republican and and oh I, told, God, I told I told a there. dear friend of mine a really good friend of mine I went in and I said look man you know I I said in when he got elected I said look do you ever meet anybody that says, oh, I was a proud member of the Nixon administration, except for Roger Stone. <laughs> you know, and I said, I do believe in my heart that at some point being a member of the Trump administration will be the same thing, you know? And I told him that. I said, I said, there's not going to be something you're going to be touting that you spent four years working for Donald Trump. And and yeah, so I do think those those people are in the wings and it, it is it is going to be insane. You know, I thought it was interesting too that after the interview, you know, Brett Hume or Brett Hume was on and he kind of teed off. I mean, it does feel like there's... um you know that they're being a little bit more honest after the interview on Fox. I mean, has the worm turned at Fox or is it just a moment, do you think?
1: I don't know if the worm's turned. I think it's a mixed bag. Um, you know, I, I well there there are two things to to remember here just to put in context for people who suffered through I don't. I don't like to just besmirch actual PTSD, especially being here with veterans. So uh, take it. Take it as <laughs> no, a, as, as a okay. word phrase. <laughs>
0: as some, as I, one who has it, I would give me PTSD. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: have. I have a mild campaign version of PTSD. Oh yeah, no, it's I read your book. <laughs> um, so so you get that. Um, I, I, Fox in 2016 was mixed, right? right? Like, like people, you know, you you kind of forget that, right? That the, the, the they came around when he won. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, you can look at uh, Hannity right like some came around earlier, some came around later, but it was a mixed bag. You yeah. know, th- there were people on Fox that, that really didn't like Trump even through the general election, um, uh, conservatives. Um, and, and then he won and, and, and they kind of became fully embraced, you know, their position as state TV and they got rid of, you know, a handful of people that were the uh, conscientious objectors <laughs> of to continue our <laughs> military terms. Yep. And, um, uh, and so, you know, I, I think that we're kind of going back to that phase, yeah. right? Right, yeah. where there's there's going to be certain uh, personalities at Fox that feel like they have the ability now to speak, at yeah. least a version of the truth, maybe not the whole truth about Trump, yeah. because they see that there's a possibility for another option. Right, right. Like the the problem with in 2020, why Fox was so this is not this is this is not a defense of them at all. This is an explanation of the of the rationale. In 2020, the only off ramp was a Democrat. Joe Biden right now, people like you and me who come, like, look at this and are like Joe Biden seems fine. Yeah. Like, I got, you know, I disagree with a couple of his policies, but like he seems per- perfectly fine we're compared to this that lunatic this yeah. that wants to yeah, create a fascist, like uh, you know, dictatorship. Right. Okay. Like like Joe Biden was a fine alternative, but if you're, if you, but we were, I was out, right? right. If you're still in that politics, you're like, I can't undermine this guy or else I've become a Democrat. I've put on a different Jersey, whatever. Like that's, what's happening in their heads. Now, their off-ramp is Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or Vivek Ramaswamy or whatever. And and I, I none of those people are particularly appealing to me for various reasons. Um, but uh, I think because they feel like they have that other off-ramp, they can kind of test drive, put their toe in the water of, of, of being honest about certain parts of the Trump, Trump thing. Right. And, I, and I just think that the post-game of the Brett was so revealing about how Fox is like tiptoeing around that and navigating that. Yeah. Is that, you know, Brett... Goes on and talks about how terrible the answers were, about you know the legal side of it, and how he you know he got himself in more legal trouble by like, admitting he had the boxes and saying he thought he had golf shoes in there or whatever, and how stupid <laughs> right. it was and how unadvisable it was. And then the next two answers, Martha McCallum is like. Well, I agree with that, but I have to say he was really strong on, on his national security platform. And I was right. like, he was? <laughs> he said that Putin should invade. He, he he didn't say that Putin was wrong about invading Ukraine. And he talked right. about how great MBS and how strong Kim Jong Un were. I, right. like, I didn't think, it didn't seem that strong, but anyway. Yeah. So she says that. She's like, does the the criticism sandwich thing. Like, well, I didn't like this, but he was really strong in his Kim Jong-un statements. <laughs> and and then Dana Perino is next. And she, she goes, well, I, I just, I think It'd be smart for him to just to stop talking about the legal issues. It's like <laughs> coaching coaching so I just think the is, is trying to navigate <laughs> yeah. it. It's like we can yeah. we can throw a criticism out there, but maybe we'll try to nudge him in the right direction, and maybe you know. But then we also have to pat him on the back because we don't want our viewers to turn the channel. You know, right. we don't want him going
0: over to Newsmax. Right, right. Uh, it's a great place to pause because uh, we have some incredible sponsors this week. I want to give them a chance to tell their story. Let's stop cutting down trees to make toilet paper. I mean, it's true. Humans are cutting down tens of thousands every day just to supply the American need for toilet paper. And the worst part is that when you use trees for toilet paper, it's just one use and done. It can't be reused or recycled. It just goes straight into our water system. That's why I made the switch to real paper. You know, real is 100% bamboo. So we're using a plant that grows fast, can be harvested and regenerated like grass in a lawn, and, and doesn't impact entire ecosystems of forest. Real is the best kind of eco-friendly product because it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing something to help the Earth. In fact, honestly, it feels like an upgrade. I'm really busy these days, so it's great to have it shipped free to my door. In a plastic-free packaging. And I can schedule it on a subscription so that it comes exactly when I need it. And y'all, I'm super forgetful, as anyone who knows me knows, so I don't have to worry about picking it up at the store where I always forget. I'm a bit of an environmentalist myself, too, you know? So I love that Reel is now a partner with One Tree Planted and- with every box of Reel that you buy, they're funding for reforestation efforts across the country. So unlike other to- toilet paper products that cuts down trees, Reel is actually helping to plant trees. Now, real Paper is available in easy, hassle-free subscriptions or for one-time purposes on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping and 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. Now, if you head to realpapercom slash Fred... Sign up for a subscription using my code FRED at the checkout. You'll automatically get 30% off your first order and free shipping. So that's R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R dot com slash FRED or just enter the promo code FRED. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. Let's make a change for good this year. Switch to real paper. Real is paper for the planet. You know, we've all heard the famous line, try it for free for 30 days. (laughs) And yeah, that's just enough time to try it, then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. And you could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for ones you don't use. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? I mean, most Americans think they spend around, I don't know, $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need rocket money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them. Like that Stars app you got for that just that one show, or the free gaming trial you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you, and for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Now, Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com fred. I said again, that's rocketmoney.com dot com slash Fred. Try it. Again, use my code rocketmoney.com slash Fred. So I circling back to that. And one of the things that I sat there watching that interview, um, you know, his big thing is that like you said earlier, the the alpha wolf stalking thing, right? Like he does. I didn't see an alpha wolf in that, that you know, in that interview. Um, it almost feels like he's looking weak. I mean, let's be honest. There's, what, 30, I, I forget the numbers because my brain is mush, um, with 35 in New York, 37 with the feds. George is com- We know George is coming. They had security yeah. people in Miami. So George is coming. It, it, it just, you know, how long does he maintain the facade? You know, we have Ruth ben book in here somewhere about strong men. Uh, she was a guest in the show. You know, it, 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 there's real danger, though, in him showing weakness here. Right. And 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 you've got, you know, DeSantis out there circling as the next tough guy. Right. I mean, it, do you think there's real danger to his image of being this manly man that even even his own stalwarts will start peeling off at some point? Or am I just a dreamer?
1: I think I might be dreaming. I yeah, mean, I think that good. there's some risk of that. I worry more about the fact that he senses that threat yeah. and lashes out even more. You know, I, I mean, this is not the kind of guy that's going to go down quietly right to say the least right you know right. um uh he's not going to decide one day that, that he's going to play like play this by the book and try to you know plead out and try you know hand the thrown over to ron DeSantis and hopes he gets pardoned i just like, that's not how this game ends you know you don't make a deal with the devil and then just kind of get and then you know just get to walk away like right. that right uh trump i think if he senses that people think that he's weakening you know, I think will likely lash out more and more you know and 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 become more threatening and and more strongmanish um i don't know what the what the, what the word is there right you know yeah. and um and and then you worry about what impact that has on you know particularly the most extreme radicalized members of his base so I, I, to me i think that that it's possible that that he starts to lose altitude and feel a little diminished uh but if he senses that i, I, I just you know, I, I think that what could come next from him might be pretty scary. Um, the, just one other observation on this kind of alpha-beta thing, and just uh, assessing Trump. Mm-hmm. The, the part of the interview where he seemed the the, t- the two parts of the interview where he seemed the most alpha, if you will. Yeah. Where and, and he always has been this way, is is in the intra Republican universe fights, right. right? I mean, the Ron DeSantis stuff, he's got down. He might not not know one thing about the details of his draw of his, <laughs> his first Step policy. act policy. <laughs> no. Like he might not have any idea about what the details were of that policy that he yeah. signed into law that had an effect on millions of people. Yeah. Um, he might not know, you know, where he went to lunch yesterday, but he knows the minutiae of all of Ron DeSantis's weaknesses. Yeah. And, and, you know, as soon as Ron DeSanctimonious, as he says, comes up, he was going at him and talking about his polling numbers from, from you know, back in 2016, you know, and then the primary against Adam Putnam, and he's yeah. pulling out all these facts about Ron DeSantis' COVID policy. I mean, he like he is prepped for that. And, and, and in the intro fight with Ron DeSantis, he seemed, you know, like he was ready to be that alpha. And I think he felt the same way with Brett, as the interview gets to the end where brett's like oh please mr trump will you do the fox debate we could really use you and he's like well you haven't been too nice to me brett right like <laughs> he knows how to like use his stature and his power with the base yeah. to control the other members of the republican elite yeah. and i think that is the biggest thing he has going for him politically you know while he has all these other legal threats you know hanging over him
0: yeah and it's interesting to me what a window in his psyche is, right? Like you said, he doesn't know his own policies or his own, you know, supposed things. But yeah. man, he knows his enemies, right? I mean, this, he's he obsessed, that. obsessed with his enemies, and and yeah. and DeSantis is an enemy because he supported him and he turned on him. It's the ultimate enemy. That not only did he support yeah. him, and then I mean, it's worse than John Kelly or these other guys who have vaguely criticized. Him. I mean, this is a guy who literally got endorsed by him, did an entire ad. Of that remember that ridiculous f ad of build the wall with this kid I mean what he's like, all right what a yeah. fucking freak job and and now he's turned on him and he's running against him uh it's the ultimate betrayal I think so yeah he's obsessed with his enemies and it's gonna drive him crazy I thought it was a, a, a poll floated across my radar like two or three weeks ago I think and of course trying to find it now would be impossible but it did I saw in this poll where it said like 30 percent of the Republican uh, respondents said they would vote for Trump even if he was only, wasn't on the ballot. They would only vote for Trump even if he wasn't on the ballot, right? So, what is as you say, as as, as this as this this campaign unfolds with these Republicans? You know, there's, there's like 900 of them running. I guess now I can't even keep track of them anymore. You got to alphabetize them. Um, does anyone have really a, a freaking chance? I mean, honestly, I mean, in the end, if if the guy is 30 percent of their party is just saying no, it's he's the only one we'll go with. I, I, these are some very, very we even they have somehow beat him, like he dies and I, mean, I think Jeff Timmer said it best because the only thing between Trump and the Republican nomination is his aorta and a jail cell. <laughs> right? Um I mean and maybe it's, not it's, even a jail cell. Not even a jail cell. Um, right. Well, we saw that yeah, too.
1: I don't um I think that I'm still on the more bullish side about DeSantis' prospects than most of the never Trump pundits. Interesting. Mostly just because like he has maintained in the face of Trump's attacks. Yeah. He has maintained very high favorability. Yeah. You know, like we want Jeb and Cruz, like their numbers tanked. I was with, you know, I wasn't on anybody, but Trump person. I don't like Ted Cruz, but I was an anybody, but Trump person. I was with right. Jeb. And then after Jeb dropped out, I went to help Cruz like not on his campaign, but just we had a pack. God. And like before I had to pack, <laughs> I met with the advisors and they showed me poll numbers that were insane. Like, like Cruz Cruz with the base was like, 80% favorable and then he criticized Trump and the next day he went to 28 favorable. I, I mean, it was just like, wow. I, I, Trump had total control. Yeah. That isn't the true case now. Like DeSantis has his own relationship with the base yeah. and, he's a, and he has a good, again, not a appeal to me, but to that MAGA voter, he's a good elevator pitch, right? Yeah. which is I won in Florida. I stood up to Fauci, I stood up to the left and why not just go with somebody like me who who, who hates your same enemies, but also knows how to win. Yeah. It's not a bad elevator pitch. So I think Trump is still an overwhelming favorite, but I, I, I think DeSantis is alive. And I think the interesting reveal on why it's just DeSantis was a poll I saw this week and and it, and it was the head to head. So it was Trump, DeSantis and then Trump, Tim Scott. And the Trump DeSantis was like 60 something to 33. So Trump's still a huge lead. No no doubt. The The Trump Scott one was 70 something to 23. Right. So there's a gap of people who, who who are like only will only leave him for DeSantis. They're not going to leave him for any of the other guys who seem like normal politicians, old school Republicans at all. Yeah. Right. And so DeSantis has that base. And I think if you're looking at Trump having a 33 percent cult base, that's never leaving him. You know, DeSantis have made about a 25 percent base of the college educated Republican types who are like, I just want to be rid of this guy. The big middle is this people, these MAGA voters who like Trump that are like, eh, eh, I'm not quite sure. Like, can he win? I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm starting to wonder if all this stuff's a little too much. And will the weight of all of these indictments eventually move those people? Yeah. I, I wouldn't get your hopes up if you're like me, a, a desperate for Trump to lose person. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think the chance is zero. I, I think that's the key group is, is can that group that they like Trump still, but they're open to giving him the gold watch, can they be moved off him? I, nobody's been able to do it yet. So I wouldn't bet on it, but but I but I I think
0: that it's that, it's, that they're at least in play. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. Our judicial system is slow, right? So, you know, I mean, George right. will come out with several charges. They'll be devastating in a lot of ways. The, the stuff she's looking at, Rico, I mean, for God's sake. I mean, there's some pretty ugly stuff in there that we know is going to come. His numbers have barely moved with two indictment, two sets of indictment. So it's it is it is hard to. They've gone up. They've gone up, and yeah, that's it. And so with the, the base loves him. With the Republicans, he'll get the nomination. I mean, I, I like, like I said, I, I I agree with you. Unless he literally keels over, um, I don't see him not getting the nomination. I really, at least now the general, I don't know. Now it, back to Desantis though. One of the things I've really been kind of harping on with Desantis is that. You know, one of the most striking things is a number of polls. Again, back to the polls, but one of the really that youGov poll from three weeks ago, where they read the respit they, they they actually did the survey and they read like here's six policies. You know, guns, more guns, right? You know, abortion, in six weeks, and they read them to the people. And at the end, they said, by the way, these are all Ron DeSantis's policies that he passed in Florida. What is your opinion of Ron DeSantis now? And overall, went down six points. <laughs> okay. Like when people found out of it, because his his big theme is make America Florida, right? And 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 yeah. and in poll after poll, we we'll find that the make of America Florida theme falls flat on its ass. And, and even with some Republicans, like a four percent yeah. drop, that was a four point drop with Republican voters. So so when people find out what he's done to Florida, <laughs> you know, it's great in theory, but it's interesting. So if, if his big campaign theme, Jeff Rose. Jeff Rowe TM is, you know, Make America Florida. I mean, at some point, yeah, if he does break out, I mean, when people really start hearing the truth, though, what are his chances? I mean, it, there's some pretty heinous policies coming on out, out of Florida right
1: now. Yeah, I, I think that that is on the weak side. The, this is the same as problem. Um, right. The elevator pitch I told you about, the elevator yeah. pitch is good with the Republican voters. The details, the devil's in the details. Yeah. And, he, and, and he starts to get in trouble. And, and, and the part presentation. part of it is performance <laughs> and par, part of it is policies. Yeah. And I just look at him and I, and I think to argue against the point I, I just made, <laughs> Um, not really to argue against because I, like I said, I still think Trump's an overwhelming favorite, but the reason why he's an overwhelming favorite and, and why DeSantis, I, I think has a small chance that, but um, you know, things aren't looking good is that he, he is running this Ted Cruz playbook that, that your friend Jeff Rowe already did and, like. and, and it failed and it, it failed. Like it Ted did, Cruz miserably. didn't win. It wasn't particularly close. And the problem is if you try to get to Trump's right on everything, you misunderstand the nature of the mega base, right? The mega base is not like, I want the most conservative thing on every policy issue. Like like a lot of them are non-political. A lot of the people that Trump brought in are not non-political, non-ideological, right. a lot of people that Trump brought in are working class guys that are secular. They don't go to church on Sundays. Like they, they don't, you know, they, they, they might want to have an abortion. <laughs> like yeah. They can into a situation. They might want their girlfriend or wife or gal they met to be able to have an abortion. Yep. Right. Like they don't want tax cuts for their wealthy. Right. Like, I, you know, I, like there are these specific policies. If you just go down the far, right. There's a certain audience for them, but it's not enough to, to take the majority in the Republican primary. And the thing that Trump got right, I think just by like lizard instinct, not by any, because he didn't have a Jeff Rell. He's a any. master
0: marketer. It, it's Yeah. It's, it's just like
1: some of these people just want somebody that's like, I'm on your side. And and I, I'm not, and, and I'm not looking at all this. I, I don't care about all this weird stuff. Like this guy wants to, balance the budget and, and, and like, and like once priests in charge, you know, like once priests to try char- and like dis- deciding stuff and, 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 and Trump got some voters who are kind of cross pressured, moderate type voters to vote for him because they saw him as like the New York businessman who's going to fight for them. Right? right. And then he cut the deal with the evangelicals who're like, well, okay, well we'll go with him too, because he said, sa- says that he's going to, you know do do exact do our bidding right and so trump was able to pull from both groups the very conservative and kind of the not as quite as conservative cultural right right working class guys and and desantis is is putting himself in the position where he he only can get from that one lane the super far right people and they make up a big portion of the republican primary party but they don't bring up a majority they don't make up a majority and 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 uh, he just uh, he doesn't it felt like um you know, Carrie Lake learned a little better, even though she didn't do it in the general election. You know, kind of that how to bridge all the groups in in the, in in primary politics, and and I think that a lot of these Trump voters who he brought in look at DeSantis and they're like you're kind of weird. A five week abortion ban with no exceptions is really weird, and you know some of these other policies are like a little too, you know, nerdy. You know, yeah. like you, like, you know what I mean. You're yeah. like with the nerdy kid in class that wanted this far right stuff, and like I'm not that. Like I want to drink beers and make fun of the libs, you yeah. know. And Trump's my
0: guy. Yeah, and still go to fucking Disney. Yeah, I, I mean that's the thing. I always joke. Why are you this so shit. obsessed? Why are you so obsessed about Disney? And by the way, you know, the adults love Disney. Have you ever met Disney adults? Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> have
1: you you know? been to Disney World? Unfo- I have a yeah. five year old. Have you been to Disney World? Lately? Oh, I'm yeah. telling you, It's not all libs there. Oh no, no, no. That's you. my point. I mean, it, you know, it is. I don't want to judge a book by its cover but there were a lot of people <laughs> i was in line with who i'm
0: pretty sure were donald trump they're not libs yeah and and that's the thing about him is he picks these fights because he thinks this but it, it goes to his personality being so weak I mean, he's just terrible i mean he's just not a not a good person I mean, it sounds funny to say that and it doesn't matter but but he just he doesn't connect with people at all he has no personality and we hear story now we're seeing i think a lot of people heard these rumors from you know republican insiders uh you know we saw from like you know rick wilson's in florida you know yeah. and they're saying oh yeah you understand he's got casey and that's it. You know, I had Michael Steele on the show a couple of months ago. Michael says, you understand, it's it, 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 he has a tight circle. And to run a presidential campaign, you need a giant circle. And he still has a tight circle. And it's and we're seeing these stumble after stumble. And that's that's exactly it. Ooh, just really true. quick anecdotes on the circle. Yeah. I
1: called one of his house colleagues who became a never-Trumper. I guess I probably shouldn't out them, so I won't say who it is. But um, it. Um, I was it. like, hey, I'm trying to learn more about DeSantis. Like, who were <laughs> his pals in Congress? Like, who do he hang out with? And this person was like, Nobody like I like no he yeah. didn't have any like he voted and he left and I there was like he didn't have any and so like that's really telling a person not having friends is a big red flag for me right um and and you know the other thing is from my Jeb experience this happened like Jeb hadn't been in the game for a while a lot of his consultants were. Um, you know, had, you know, retired and older. And so he comes back in and, um, and, and so he hired a lot of new people and me and him ended up getting along really well, but he had a lot of new people around. And so there's no truck. Like, it's hard, you know, it's hard to run a good campaign when you're like, you bring in this guy, Jeff Rowe from Missouri that you met two minutes ago. Yeah. And now he's got a you know, you know, and 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 he has to be on the super PAC where you can't legally coordinate, and you kind of can, but you can't really communicate, and it creates a very uh, an environment that makes it easy uh, like for there to be bit distrust building, resentment, anger, and and that on that personality, those personality quirks, maybe would be the nice way to say it that
0: DeSantis has that like yeah.
1: has led him to this place is a problem.
0: Yeah, and 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 I, I kind of that kind of takes me to your book. You know, one of the things that struck me in your book is, and, and we were going to discuss it when we, met, we discussed when we met in St. Louis, but was you were discussing the attitudes among these political professionals as all of it being a game at the time, right? Back in the 2016, and if lot like there the the key line in your book really is that it goes the it, it, all, that's the key line that it was a game, and and it goes the reasoning behind so how many of them gave themselves to Trump. But you know what? Kind of feels to me sometimes now, Tim. It's been a year, right? I think since the book came out. It feels like everything has become a game to everyone. At this point, I mean, the political operatives, the Jeff Rose, to the actual politicians like the Margotero Greens, and everybody else, and even to the media. At this point, I mean, where does that leave us in this moment? I mean, as the indictments roll out and the game seems to be getting harder to carry, right? It's hard to carry the game when the guy you're, you know, when the guy in the game, the main player, is indicted for federal counts and stuff. I mean, people are showing up with guns, right? You, you said it earlier. Right? They're 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 getting people fired up. I mean, uh, how long does it? I mean, and now we have got the game kind of. I think the game's gotten bigger. We've got the Joe Rogans and the Elon. Musk yeah. are in the game now too i mean th- do you think this game's getting dangerous <laughs> you
1: know I do. and i'm worried about this and i wrote about it in the book and I, and, and yeah. i think that uh, the threat is much greater on the left on the right excuse me so i, I don't want to create a false equivalency but i think that even left listeners should really kind of meditate on this okay which is like there was a time when uh, when i was coming up in politics where the people that saw politics as a game were really like a small handful of us super nerds Right. right, who like worked on campaigns, and we we found like statistics, you know, like baseball stats, and there were a handful of other people who were like big observers of politics who, who did too, you know, who read political blog and stuff and commented, but like mostly it, I like, like most of normal society you know, like their engagement with politics and government was about how it affected them. Right. right. Like this, right. you know, my D&D. my school district is doing something I don't like. I'm not getting the services I need. You know, these, yep. this certain, you know, tax is co- is costing me, you know, uh, whatever, like whatever their you know actual policy interaction with government was 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 why they would care. That's healthy. OK, that's that's the way you should in, engage with government because that's what government does. I'm deeply concerned now that this game that that those of us, you know, who, who we're just living in the DC belt where we are playing, has like metastasized right. out to the whole world. And everybody has in is in this place now where they're like, my team has to win. Like it's so like my team has to win. And and I don't I actually don't care if it's true or I don't I don't I I just want the other guys to lose and suffer. And it's like when I'm at the Nuggets and I'm I'm watching our game against the Suns and I'm like, you know, you suck KD and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know anything about KD, right? It's all but it's all it's all performative. It's all for fun. Like this is yeah. why they make a lot of money. Right. Cause we can go out there and then a healthy way, you know, get, um, you know, uh, blow off a little bit of steam and have a good time and, and cheer for your side and, and, and have a, and have a pretend enemy for a couple hours. Yeah. That's not healthy when your pretend enemy is like your neighbor. Right. and and the other person on the street you know just because they have up a sign of a candidate you don't like right and i think that on the on the right in particular this has become this, this has spiraled to a place that's dangerous and violent and and you're starting to see it i'm, I'm worried about there were threats about the nashville pride parade coming up this week uh this weekend and, and i just i worry that you get people who get so wrapped up in it that uh, it's hard for them to distinguish between what's real and what's fake. And they see, and they see people in their own society's enemy combatants. And when the stakes get higher and higher as, as Trump, this is what I was getting to earlier, as Trump might go to jail and, and they start to really believe in their head that the, the deep state or uh, the people, the Joe Biden made did this happen and, and instead of the reality of Donald Trump did this to himself. Then, then it becomes kind of logical that they lead to go to violence, right. right? Like if you genuinely believe we're in this war between one tr- team and another team in society, and the other team is jailing the head of my team unfairly. Well, wouldn't it be un- kind of logical to, to, you know, for, if, if that, if yeah. your brain is in that broken place to yeah. say, well, what's the next step? I should I should storm the Capitol, right? right? I, I, I And so I just, I, I do think that the, that we're getting, you know, the, and that um, the place that we're getting to here, you know, is, um, uh, you know, continues to be very, uh, uh, you know, very tense and very unstable and, and I'm concerned about it. And I think that we need to find ways to take down the temperature but that's hard to do as long as there's somebody out there who's trying to you know create a fascist
0: state um uh, like donald trump whose entire modus operandi is to pour more gas on the fire uh, exactly. that's another great place to pause for a second and and get some hear from some more of our great sponsors and i got a great question to follow on that do you know your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality if you wake up too hot or too cold like i do often i really recommend you try out miracle made sheets inspired by nasa Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Now, that silver-infused fabric means that Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get a better night's sleep. And I can tell you honestly, I have. Now, the silver infusion technology also adds an extra benefit. It means the sheets prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher Three times longer than normal sheets. There's no more gross odors from your sheets. You don't have to worry about any problems with bacteria. They just last longer. Now I've been sleeping with these sheets, and they're seriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands. And they feel nice, if not nicer, than the bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. <laughs> bacteria clogs your pores, causes breakouts and agony, a whole bunch of problems. Sleep better, sleep clean with Miracle. Now, go try miracle.com/fred. That's Go to TryMiracle.com slash Fred to try Miracle Made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use that promo code FRED at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So Miracle Made is so confident in their product, it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Now, upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to TryMiracle.com slash Fred and use the code Fred to claim your free three-piece tile set and save over 40%. Again, that's TryMiracle.com Fred. Treat yourself. I love the products. I've been using it myself and sleeping like a baby. I don't know if you're like me, but the pain of trying to find what to wear is killing me. Most clothes are uncomfortable, never the actual size that I really am, and not to mention how much time is wasted for me, trying to find a good outfit. So when you do have a good fit, you can only wear it for a few hours or you have to go to a meeting or a dinner date and you have to change. Everyone wants to dress their best and look good at all times because frankly, it's a confidence booster. Men are no different. Men's closets are due for radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable and flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion, from work to hang out at a local brewery. Their collection offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Roan commuter collection. Now, Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work or, you know, walking to the box seats of the Cardinals game. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll smelling fresh, clean all day long, on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable. Because I don't know about y'all, I live alone, I gotta wash my own darn clothes. So you can ditch go in the dry cleaner. I love the Roan Commuter Collection for my lifestyle and fashion choice. Now, look, I'm on the move a lot, whether it's jumping from meeting to meeting or heading to meet friends or, you know, catching a flight to go somewhere like I am this week. The Roan Commuter Collection has never let me down. Even after I wear it all day, I feel super fresh because of that gold fusion anti-odor technology. So, the community collection can get you through any working day straight into whatever comes next. Now, here's what I want you to do. Head to Rone.com slash fred. Use promo code fred to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to r slash fred. Use that code fred. It's time to find your, you know, when you check out. It's time to find your corner offers comfort and Rowan offers the best. On that note, as we left, was you know I was I was doing doors in Northwest Georgia uh, in the campaign against mm-hmm. Margitara Green, and uh, I, I knocked on a door. I approached a door one day, and there was a I'll just say an, a, an older white lady uh, talking to an older black man on the steps of his house, talking. And as I walked up with uh, my candidate's uh, stuff, uh, she says, "Well, who are you here for?" I said, uh, "Marcus Flowers, you are running against Margitara." She goes, "Oh." Don't even talk to me. I said, Why is that? And she goes, Oh, Taylor Green, she's my girl. <laughs> I said, I'm curious why. <laughs> you know. She goes, Because she makes people like you crazy. That's why. And she walked away. And of course the nice black man the on the step was like, Hey, why don't you give me some of those flyers? <laughs> you know, but but when you, how do you get past? I mean, that's the game, right? I mean, that's that's where we are, right? That's that's the, the nation as a whole, right? There isn't there isn't a policy. I, mean, I think, we, you know, that, that's why it's interesting when we talk earlier about DeSantis's policies and we talk about, you know, Tim Scott's policy. I don't know what they are, frankly. We're, we're, we're not talking policy on the right at all. And, but on the left, right, we are. And, and, and I'm circling, I'm circling I got, there's a big circle back to a question I had, which was the next phase of this thing is the, the Hunter Biden deal yesterday. I actually did a video for minus Touch about how the fact that you saw McCarthy come out and the Republican messaging machine immediately came out with sweetheart deal sweetheart deal and i actually did a whole bit where i had something like 20 tweets you know strung together of sweetheart deal but what worked was then the next set what i what i did to make it interesting would not just you know bash the republicans for using this term sweetheart deal all the time was how the media picked it up right immediately new york times had a story out saying well is this a sweetheart deal is fox news you know cnn MSNBC, everybody had to use the term sweetheart deal and that's how good the messaging is on the right and their ability to get a message out you know they sent them i think i swear to god they probably sent a memo i'd imagine they did right i mean you you work at that level it's yeah. i mean how does that work how is how is the how do they, how do they get a message so fast and why are we not doing it on the democratic side still just out of curiosity
1: yeah. um, you live in that well, world a, I mean, a you, lot there you're in arms i know there's a lot there yeah just Go. really quick one sentence on the uh on the woman on the steps because yeah. it, that's so apt to our political problem that we're in right it's like that's not healthy and that's not where we were in the 1990s you know that is a real difference about how our politics has gone to place it's not healthy that like she couldn't say oh well i'm from marjorie taylor green because she did this you for know, our she district. She supports fetuses, right. and I'm just pro-life to the end. And it's right. like, okay, well, you could degree or she just got the road fixed, fixed, right? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she fixed the roads, right? Yeah. No, it's like she makes you crazy. Like yeah. that's what I like. That's not what politics is supposed to be about. Politics right. Like politics is supposed to be a government bringing services and and you know trying to to create a system that serves the people yeah.
0: in in the best way possible to protect. Literally, a woman, and, a woman whose whose district offices were PO boxes. She didn't list her district office. It was secret. <laughs> you know, I mean, and yet 68% of the vote.
1: Anyway, um, the on the Hunter Biden thing and the messaging machine, uh, part of the thing about the Republicans, um, why, and, and, you know, sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, the Republicans are so good at this. It's like, no, the Republicans are good at one thing, right, which is uniting on a message that to attack Democrats with. Like, because of the policy stuff we've been discussing, they're very bad at that. Yeah. But right? it's why the Republicans haven't, and this Republican House has done literally nothing. Yeah. they can't. They can't even agree internally uh, on a vote. I, you know, my buddy at the White House, Andrew Bates, sent a tweet the other day that was like, you know, maybe you guys should hire a mediator to help <laughs> to, to help your For internal your party. Issues. Yeah, <laughs> like, like he, he sent a link to a Yelp page, you know, with <laughs> local mediators in DC. So, so there's a lot of there's a lot of clusterfuckery in in the Republican Party too. But this part they have down right? right Like they know they're oppositional to the democrats when there's a big you know but when there's a big news thing they all they jump on it right and i, I don't think it's it's for lack of trying on the democratic side i don't think it's that democrats don't have people at the dnc that send out memos and stuff i get memos from I the dscc i still get memos from the republicans too i'm still yeah. on some of the list yeah. right and it's just that the, the a lot of democrats are just cautious about being that way like they, they right. want to be more cerebral and they want to they want to be more nuanced and whatever and a lot of republicans are just like, fuck it. Yeah, sweetheart deal. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> what is the sweetheart deal? Yeah. Like, what is it? Like the guy, what he actually did was he didn't pay um, uh, uh, you know, taxes for two years. He was two years delayed on taxes. Yeah. And then he, or he, he might've paid taxes, but, but, but two years, he, he was delayed a hundred, a hundred thousand of his taxes. Yeah. And then, and then he, he took some deductions that he wasn't supposed to take. He wrote right. some things off for his business that weren't business expenses. And then he had a gun that was legally purchased. It was only illegally purchased because he was a drug addict and he had to check a box saying I'm not a drug addict. Right. That's it. That's Those it. are his crimes. Not. I'm not saying they aren't aren't serious. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been held accountable for them. But it's not like he committed murder. I. Like, what what sweetheart deal are you talking about? It was right. his first offense. He yep. gets probation. He's got to pay the back taxes. It's a better deal than Roger fucking Stone got. Excuse my second F word. Uh. No. With uh, for for two million in unpaid taxes, yep. he didn't even have to plead to probation. That nope. he just had to pay the back taxes. So so like there's there is no substance to the argument of sweetheart deal. It's just that. Everyone in the Republican Party, because of this game, circling back to the game, because they see themselves as on one team and the other guys on the other team, they don't need to think about the nuance. There you you know, even the supposedly good Republicans, the Tim Scotts and whoever just are like, OK, fire it off. Sweetheart deal. Like, uh, you know, yep. n- none of them on the merits had any specific criticisms because there wasn't anything
0: there. No. It was a Trump appointed prosecutor. Right. Which which Biden left the place without messing with it, like because he's a norms and traditions yeah. kind of guy, and that's exactly what I pointed out. Like, good luck finding a big criticizing the Roger Stone deal, who was already a convicted felon and got a pardon. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, th- it, that is the joke of it. And I, what a great perspective! And I appreciate you. I, I don't mind you telling me I'm wrong. I, I love being wrong. It, it, it's great. It, it is. We, we don't like it because we do mock that. We mock them for all using the same words. Um. So on on the Dems, they don't want to do that. They want to use different words. But the problem is, and what I pointed out yesterday was, you can say sweetheart deal in five seconds. Everybody hears that. It takes a minute and a half to two minutes of legal analysis to. Prove Prove it isn't <laughs> Like right. we did, right and that's that's where they're so good and that's where we yeah. fail and my frustration frankly was that we did none of us on our side if you will my side if you will um, did that with the Trump indictment right Trump espionage case it, it should always be referred to as the Trump espionage case well you know the, the, the documents no no it's the Trump espionage case it always and they won't do that it's that simple they just use a simple term Trump right. espionage case <laughs> and good luck you know because everyone wants to explain well there are documents but there was shirts there's no keep it simple <laughs> yeah. You know, keep it simple. I, you know, I, I experienced it in Iraq I mean, when I was trying to explain what the Iraqi you know, army was doing. I mean, we had this whole system when I was I was in charge of uh, the I was helping the of defense there with, with their training at under General Petraeus. And they had a whole system of raiding the Iraqi units. It was so convoluted to them. it was like nine pages to explain a green or a red. Right. Yeah. And it was causing us harm. It was causing us some harm. And, and at the same time, we had a map of Iraq that when an Iraqi unit took over a sector, it turned green on the map. That was it turned green. And a reporter in my office one day. He says, "He's frustrated. I don't get it. When do we, This is like 2006. when do we get out of here? Like, when do the Americans get out of here?" So, well, you see the map. When the whole damn thing is green, we out. <laughs> that's it. You know, when it's green, we're gone. You know, right now it's about half, you know, quarter green. And I actually went to a guy General Dempsey, who was my boss at that time. I said, "Hey, can we read? Can we reframe this?" And that's when it became battle space. And and to the credit, and I don't take all the credit for that, but you know, that's when we started talking about. Well, it's the battle space. It's and and so. You're gonna have to use it. Keep it simple and repeat it over and over. And and we we really do fail on our side. We, again, it's that cerebral nature of the Democratic side. Everything's about policy, like the nature of the policy. It's just keep it simple. And and, and I do see stars. I think Dan Goldman's good at it. That's where AOC shines. AOC shines because she keeps it simple. You know, I think she she's able to punch back that way in a very simple and and, and way. I think the younger generation, Maxwell Frost. You're seeing a younger generation. I think of our of Democrats who understand this messaging construct. Do you see that from your side as well?
1: Yeah, I do, and I think that there's some people who are good at it. Um, and and you know, Pete was good at it, for yeah. example. Um, I, you know, I, I think that um, a part of the problem is um, is is that this is not something that Biden is very good at either, right? right? And, and I think that like having a figurehead that is going to do it, you know, and, like that where it's going to be top down, you you get more people on board, and, and like Biden just doesn't want to play that. No. And, and it's part of the reason that it's it's a reason for me to like him right uh, honestly but yeah, but I, I, I do agree. think it's a weakness it's a political weakness um and you know, he hasn't you know for whatever reason you know Kamala hasn't filled that void and they haven't empowered anybody to do it. You know, it's kind of like why well, some of us were like, you should have made Pete chief of staff and had him on TV all the time, right? And then maybe it could have been Pete, right? It's sort of like the voice of, of Biden, but yeah. I, you know, I understand why you might want to be secretary of something rather than chief of staff, But um, cool. uh, or maybe they didn't know each other well enough to have that kind of relationship. <laughs> so I, I bet that having somebody that could be that person um, that you know they're speaking for the president might, might help. And so I think that that is, if you look at the democratic arc, you know, um, uh, Obama also was just so cerebral and yeah. so, and thought of, you know, thought, and he was good at, like, he was obviously so great at speechifying, yeah. but he wasn't great at talking points, yeah. you know, because he didn't want to, he bristled at that. You know, if you ask the pod bros, it's like, why? And he's like, oh, you know, like it yeah. made him, it gave him the heebie-jeebies to have to do that. And, and eventually, you know, he finally kind of accepted it, like later into the presidency he where he would, you know, repeat certain things on on the stump. But, but I just think that the Democrats have been missing that, You know person who's willing to to to, not not to call you shameless fred but to shamelessly (laughs) repeat a very simple talking point over and over again which is kind of what you need to do
0: it is i mean i I admit that freely i mean it is just understanding your audience and 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 you know we said a lot um and as a pr guy before as you know and, and and an army pr guy is 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 there's also this assumption, well, I send a tweet out so everybody got it. Like, no, not, not everybody got your one right. tweet. And, you know, believe it or not, not, that's what's so funny about Tucker Carlson going to Twitter to me. He's like, look, my girlfriend's 81-year-old parents are not on Twitter. They're not. They. they right. Her dad watched Tucker on Fox. He's not getting a Twitter account so he can watch, you know, his random, you know. And so I... I Aliens. I, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I giggle at the idea that a tweet, or that a DeSantis' launch on Twitter, that was a tremendously Disaster. stupid. Wasn't that... <laughs> totally off topic yeah i'm really doing good at sticking on topic today too yeah, no, i mean I what the hell that is that <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? like two former pr guys
1: are just like i'm offended <laughs> as a professional like this is i'm putting the campaigns on the side i'm offended <laughs> as a as a pr professional that's that it. you would do this, this like it is was so, so bad. bad yeah
0: i mean go, as a professional what are you doing jesus you know i just want to reach the you know slap i was like this is so amateur hour run but i mean again you have to repeat 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 and, and i do see and again that's what we did love about biden we do love i still Love about Biden is that he is above it all, and I said that. You know, it's funny. I'll criticize the Biden administration. I get all the hate from the left, and and it's okay. But you know, it's just the, it, it, you're right. I, I love your thinking, though. Having someone who is kind of the voice, and it can't be the transportation secretary in this case. It does have to be somebody because Biden is. I, I don't look. I don't want Biden in there swinging at Trump on the indictment. I, I, there's no place for that for the president. That, that's mm-hmm. the that's what we elected him, right? We elected him to get some what we did want. and traditions, but I also say a lot we're going to norm and tradition ourselves into autocracy if we're not careful. Um,
1: you know, it used to be that. And and in a couple of ways that I felt like cross the line a little bit, but um, Harry Reid used to be that person yes, for the Democrats. Yes. Like, yes. like, yeah. And, and, and if you look back at the Democrats and just, you put aside the, you know, I had some objections with the fact that Harry Reid a couple of times did this in ways that were not truthful. Uh, but but if you, if you just measure it based on on skill at, at this at this particular thing, which is how do we find a discrete, understandable message and bang it into the ground and make sure all our people are on message, Reid was the best at that. I think of of yeah. all of the recent recent
0: Democrats. Yeah, I do see hope. I, I see hope on the Hakeem Jeffries side. I think he's done a yeah. He job. seems
1: good at this. He's got a big. He's got unfortunately the speaker of the house, uh, not the speaker, but maybe soon to be speaker uh, of the house. Um, but the, the the house the house Democratic leader, um, you know, he's got a lot of actual uh, governing to do. You know, he can't be like like they like they've got to deal with this very tiny Republican majority. You know that they're trying to fight off, you know, prevent Republicans from doing you know uh, the, the 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 you know most damaging stuff they could do with that one branch of government, and so. Uh, but I do think he could possibly do that because he seems
0: like he's got the skill set for sure. Yeah, I've seen him speak a number of times. I've been just hugely impressed by him. I think he's doing a great job running that minority very effectively. Um, the handoff was effective. And I've, I've, I've sung his praises in the show before. Well, I think we're about there. So, man, what a great conversation, Tim. I, I can't thank you enough for taking time. I know you're busy as hell. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while and uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your victory in the Denver. <laughs> it was a, a, major, a major win. And I always ask where can folks find you? I know you're the bulwark. I mentioned the top. Tell us where they can find you. Sure, definitely
1: come to the Bulwark. Um, we're 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 crushing it. I think you it's are. going to be awesome going to twenty twenty four. Um, you know, both the site and and the YouTube page. Um, I've got a Snapchat show for the Bulwarks. If you have any teens in your life, um, that great you know, you're like, hey, uh, you know, trying to get them to learn about politics. I've got a show on Snapchat once a week um, that is like mostly thirteen to twenty two year old boys that watch it. I don't <laughs> know why that is. I like guess that's just the Snapchat. You're demo. an
0: icon. <laughs>
1: so if you have anybody in that realm that you're trying to influence influence positively <laughs> um send him to the snapchat show and um uh, you know i'll probably be uh i'll probably be popping on the circus on showtime a couple of times too yeah i corner. love
0: that you know mark mckinnon's a good friend he was my uh one of my professors way back in the in grad school 10 years ago or 15 years he's the ago best. And, and he's just and he, he came and visited us in, in georgia during the campaign and i had chances to sit down and hang out with him and uh i just i just love his his giant brain and also his
1: i've got one more thing for you i'm not where on where to find you i'm I'm getting nervous about Twitter for obvious reasons. Yeah. So um, I'm like, I'm doing the thing I never thought I was going to do. Like I'm posting political stuff on Instagram. Yep. You know, I'm like yep. Tim Miller on the gram. And uh, what are you doing? Are you going, I'm, we're trying, we have a Bulwark Reddit now. Are you, are you, are you diversifying Yeah, your social I did, media? I,
0: did, I went to Substack. I opened a Substack finally. Uh, I've been pushing my Instagram hard. FP Wellman Official on Instagram. Yeah. And you're right. It's like, I tried the others. I mean, you know, Spottable, Post, not, it's great, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> It's not as fun, you know. I'm stuck with Twitter. But, man, this last weekend with that Twitter escapade with Elon and and Rogan and and Peter Hotez, that that scared me. And it scared me in the sense of – not so. It's, it's like A lot of the things. It's not that like Trump, like when Trump said he didn't like POWs or you know people were captured. It wasn't Trump saying that. It was the people who followed, kind of backing him up. It's the same thing with the Hotez thing. It's not Elon and Rogan. It's the guy showing up at Hotez's house that kind of, yeah, you know, what I'm and saying and the, the, the power. Sending pictures of bullets and right, stuff. I don't, right. You know, all right. All that. All so, that's scary. That's so, where it gets anyway. scary. So yeah, I, so yeah, I'm doing the same. Thing. I'm diversifying. We're going to show. I, I was one of the MyTouch Network, and but you know what can you do? I, I did do the Substack. You know, Substack's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we got a great community we're building on Substack around yeah. the show and around my 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 journey. That's been a lot of fun, too. So we'll see you That's there. That's cool. I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, good seeing you, brother. And thanks for joining the show. And uh, we will stay in touch. You too, man. Go Redbirds. Yeah, there you go. Go Cards. Man, what a great show. Tim Miller is such a the insight. And I love being proven wrong about my messaging construct idea. (laughs) Um, You know, that's what makes this show as much fun as it is, is I love to have voices maybe haven't heard uh, on our side of things. So we had a great conversation. And and Tim's a great guy. I cannot recommend this book enough. Um, Why we did it, um, it's it's a unique insight into the machinations that got Trump elected and, 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 and what's happened since. What's especially telling in his book we didn't talk about in the interview is, you know, he talks about these people, friends of his, like Elise Stefanik. Uh, and and others who have gone all in and the arc of what he witnessed personally from who they were to what they became in the MAGA world. So I, I just recommend the book highly if you haven't, haven't gotten it already. If it's still out there, it's a terrific book. Um, as mentioned last week, I am now the national chairman for Forgotten Democrats. Very excited about that opportunity. Uh, we'll be launching uh, with a town hall here on June 29th with my friend David Pepper, who was our guest last week. Going to have a great guest, Jose, Joseph Alfonso, who's running uh, up in Michigan 4, ran last time, was one of our Forgotten Democrats, and and his building is running again because he's a heroic. and. Even though he raised about $37,000, all he's able to raise, he came within 10 points. Um, and it just kind of goes to why we're launching Forgotten Democrats and the, and the the idea of supporting candidates everywhere who have not gotten support traditionally because they're in very difficult races. So um, we'll throw the screen up, but you can text FRED to 33777. That's 33777. Text FRED. You'll get an email you'll join our email list we're not gonna hit you for money all the time it's not how it's going to be I, I hate that i hate it so much um but i'd love you to join the forgotten democrats community as always we're sponsored by some incredible spot you saw four sponsors this week so humbled by the folks who have chimed in and decided to join our show and support our efforts. Uh, I couldn't do this without sponsors who are willing to um, back us up and, and and spread the word. You can find our show uh, on Twitter at uh, on Democracy Pod, uh, on YouTube, our own YouTube channel, of course, on Midas Touch every Friday night. So thrilled to be part of the Midas Touch Network. You know, this week, Matt, um, we we crossed eight million views this week, man. Um, <laughs> 8 million views uh, in two months. Uh, thanks to being a part of the Mize Touch Network and all of you, you're incredible. Incredible comments. You share our stories. You share the show. You go to uh, Apple Podcast. You go to Spotify. You download it. Please leave a positive review. It, leave a comment. I, I try to read the comments. We're getting about three thousand now, sure. <laughs> so I'll do my best. <laughs> um, I love you guys. I may not see them all, but I'll try to answer. You know, maybe tag me. I'll find you. Uh, but that is because of the minus Touch Network and the great folks. As always, we're here at our home, uh, Half Coast Studios, presented by Vi Media. Um, Vi Media is your, your marketing, digital marketing company. They've been with me since I started this show in studio over six months ago. They provide us support and services and and, uh, and, and everything we get. They're your digital marketing part of that's V I E media. That's vi.media dot media for finding out more about them. As always, I am Fred Wellman. You can find me at FP Wellman on Twitter, still hanging in there. FP Wellman official on Instagram. I put Y'all, I put kitten pictures up. I'm fostering kittens. So if you want to see kitten content, it's complete clickbait. I did it on purpose. <laughs> I admit it. You know, It's just clickbait. But I'm almost a 5,000 Instagram follower, so I'll do what I got to do. So thanks for being part of the show. I've got another great guest next week that's going to make you think uh, even more, a guy named Jeff Charlotte, who's, who was in, who was really looking at this this unfolding civil war that's going on that we were just talking about at the end of the show with Tim Miller. So don't miss next week's show right here in the Miles Touch Network. I'll see you soon.